Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! All right, I want to welcome everyone to a special Friday edition of the Seattle Sinbin. And it is a spe- it is a Friday edition because we chose not to do it on Tuesday because of my schedule. And we were going to do it yesterday, but I had technical difficulties with my computer. Uh, however, yesterday I did do the interview that you're about to hear. Uh, I pre-recorded this for you. And this is where you're going to listen to an interview that I did yesterday with Tim Pigolsky of ESPN 710 in Seattle. And Tim Pigolsky is a is a columnist for ESPN there and he covers the Seattle Thunderbirds. So we thought, you know, we've been talking a lot about arena lately, we've been talking a lot about politics lately and you know, I wanted to just talk about hockey this week. So what better guy, what better way to talk about hockey than to bring on the beat writer for the Seattle Thunderbirds. And so in the interview we're going to talk uh Stanley Cup playoffs, we're going to talk um WHL playoffs, uh the Memorial Cup starts this weekend. Uh, we're going to talk uh, WHL labor issues. The governor of, of Washington this week signed a bill that that uh, categorized uh, WHL players in Washington not as employees but as, as amateur athletes, which is going to avert a whole bunch of headaches uh, for those franchises and actually allow them to stay in the state of Washington. Uh, and we're also going to talk uh, what the what the U.S. division is going to look like next year. Uh, we're going to talk more specifically about the Seattle Thunderbirds, and uh, he just had quite a bit of good things to say. And without further ado, here is Tim Pagulski. All right, everyone, as promised, we are joined now by uh, Tim Pagulski of 710 ESPN in Seattle. And uh, if you were to go to 710 ESPN, you would find Tim there, and he is a columnist who covers the Seattle Thunderbirds of the U.S. division of the, of the WHL. Um, so Tim, for those of you who are unfamiliar with your work or for people like me who haven't followed hockey all that, all that much, uh, tell me a little bit about your hockey background. How long have you been into hockey and how did you get into what you're doing now? Yeah, I, uh, thanks for having me on first of all, but I have been a hockey fan for pretty much my whole life. I grew up playing, um, I, I grew up in the Tri-Cities and it's actually pretty big over there for a good portion of my youth hockey career we only had one rink but uh, eventually we got three and I got to grow up watching the Tri-City Americans over there um, so I've been playing or I was playing for quite some time uh, all the way through high school and then I uh, took a couple years off in college I actually uh, interned with the Thunderbirds for a couple years and then um, after that was over I, I was away from the team for another couple years and then came back and uh, worked out worked out the the gig over here with 710 ESPN Seattle and so now this is uh, we just finished up our third year covering and uh, I guess it's a year-round thing, but I guess you could say we're about to start our, our fourth year here. Okay. And, yeah, I, I guess uh, I should have welcomed you to the show before I went into asking questions, <laughs> so I apologize for that. So, Not Tim, problem. welcome to our show. Um, Thank you very much. So, Tim, for, peop- 
for, for people in Seattle, uh, hockey's never been, uh, for most people in Seattle, much of a, of a thought. Uh, it's been more of a basketball town all these years. But for, for people that maybe haven't been exposed to hockey that much, what is it about hockey that is so great? Gosh, it's it's tough to say. It's just, I mean, there's there's so much. It's such a fast-paced game, and I think you know, for some people, that's difficult because watching it on TV, um, it can be tough to keep up with, you know, a, a tiny black rubber disc, and and it, you know, play is constantly going back and forth and back and forth. But it's fast. It's physical. Um, you know, some sometimes it can be high scoring, and you know, everybody likes a good high scoring game. But you also see acrobatic saves by goalies. Uh, just the other night, if if you pay attention to the NHL at all, uh, the Blackhawks and and uh, sorry, the Blackhawks and Ducks went into a triple overtime game, and we saw uh, a head uh, a headbutted goal get called off, which is pretty entertaining. And I mean, there's just there's just so much. It's such a fast game. It's you know it's international. Um, I, I hear a lot of people can compare it to soccer. I I personally am not a big fan of that comparison. I can see where it comes from. Um, but you know it's mm-hmm. it's played on a smaller smaller playing surface, um, and you know with with skates and everything, it's it's much faster. Um, it's just it's really fast paced. It's physical. Uh, it's it's just fun. It's 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 a lot of fun. And I think um you know I've had a lot of friends up here in Seattle who who haven't really experienced the game, and I'll I'll drag them out to a game with me or bring them to down to the Shower Center to to watch the Thunderbirds, and and they've become you know fans ever since. So I think if people give it a chance, then they can really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a recent convert to hockey, as most of my listeners know, and uh, I really started following it last year during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, the the final round, even though it was a short one, was actually really compelling because of the overtimes involved and the intensity, and I I just really got to feel how great of a sport it was. I've always been a historically a basketball fan, but I I got to tell you, in the last year, hockey's kind of overtaken basketball uh in my fandom and i even i even started taking uh some hockey lessons uh i I live in yakima Uh, there's a local rink that offers hockey lessons and i started taking it and if no one's ever if you've never strapped on skates and just tried to skate skating by itself is hard until you learn it but try it with a stick in your hand and trying to knock the little puck around and try to catch the puck while you're moving and try to shoot the puck while you're moving and see if you can stay up. What hockey players do is not natural. It, it's amazing what they do. They're they're tremendous athletes. Yeah, and um, I mean, think about that, too. I mean, even these guys who are 18 and have <clears throat> doing all that stuff you just mentioned with a 200-pound guy flying at you and, and trying to take your head off, and it becomes even more, more interesting. And, you know, back to what you were saying earlier about how you kind of started paying attention during the playoffs last year um, – you know, I, I really don't think that there's anything that compares to the, the playoffs and the atmosphere uh, in the NHL. It's it's incredible. Um, you know, I enjoy watching basketball, too. I've enjoyed the playoffs. I am, I like all sports. You know, I, I watch the NFL playoffs. But uh, it really, when it comes comes down to it, I, I don't right. think there's anything better than the intensity and passion and emotion that comes into it during the NHL playoffs. It's pretty incredible. Right. Um, so speaking of the NHL playoffs, uh, really entertaining game last night between the Lightning um, – um, oh my, the name escapes me. And the Rangers. The Rangers. The Lightning and the Rangers. Yeah. Um, really entertaining game last night. Went to overtime. Didn't look like it was going to go to overtime. Six to five. That's a really high scoring game in hockey. But what are your thoughts on these two series? Where do you where do you think uh, the Rangers series is going? Where do you think the Ducks series is going? And who do you think is going to come out on top at the end? 
Yeah, well, um, you know, when it comes to the NHL, I'm, I'm not shy about my fandom. I'm a big, big Blackhawks fan, and um, I find it hard to pick against them. I thought, you know, last year, essentially the Western Conference final between L.A. and Chicago really amounted to what who was going to win it. You know, a, the Western Conference just seemed so much stronger last year, and L.A. ended up beating Chicago after Chicago made a great comeback. But, but L.A. won in overtime and then went on to, to you know, crush the Rangers in the finals. Um, this year it looks a little bit more competitive. You know, we saw overtime last time, and I, I joked on Twitter that you know it was only it was only one overtime compared to the three overtimes the night before. But um, you know, a lot of fun. Uh, the Blackhawks and Ducks series uh, is still just too close to call. I think uh, the Blackhawks have the experience, while the Ducks really came into the playoffs and have run through the first couple rounds. Um, but you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Anaheim. Ran away with game one. I thought Chicago um, actually played the better game, but but Anaheim stole the game in that. Frederick Anderson took it. Um, it's it's going to be a, an interesting series. One thing about Chicago with their experience and their coaching staff is they're really good at making adjustments, and it looked like they did some of that for game two, and, and uh, that's one thing, um, you know, with their playoff experience, I think Anaheim has to be scared of. Um, Chicago, you know, uh, they they have plenty to worry about with the Ducks. They're, they're a really good team, and they match up well. Uh, some big defensemen, and and one uh, one key to uh, playing Chicago well is being able to, to play them physically, and that's something the Ducks can certainly do, and, and they also have good goaltending. But the Blackhawks have uh, beaten a couple couple of Vezina contenders here in the first couple rounds. So um, that, that series is, you know, right now still too close to call uh, up in Tampa Bay. Um, I have to say, you know, I was, uh, I'm hoping for the Rangers to pull it out. I would love to see uh, an original six team go to the final. Uh, that's, always, that's always fun and I think good for the game, but – uh, Tampa Bay, they, they look really strong right now. That that uh, triplet line, as they call him, which includes Tyler Johnson, who's really made a name for himself these playoffs. And uh, he's actually a, a, an Eastern Washington kid. Uh, you know, grew up in Spokane and went undrafted in the mm-hmm. WHL draft. Ended up making the, the Chiefs over there in the WHL. Went undrafted in the NHL draft, and you know, got picked up by Tampa. And now he's he's crushing it in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, he he was a good player in Spokane. Um, you know, I don't think you. It, just, I mean, from my perspective, it was tough to see him coming out and, and putting on a show like he has in these playoffs. Um, even, you know, uh, during the regular season this year was, was really his breakout. He had a good year last year. Um, but his, his 20-year-old season back in Spokane, he, he really broke out. Um, he had a couple couple good years, hovered right around a point a game uh, for those couple years, his 18- and 19-year-old years. Um, but but his 20-year-old season, he really broke out, and that's where he got the contract with, with Tampa Bay and then, uh, tore it up in there in the minors and, and uh, eventually was called up to Tampa and, and he's having a great great season this year. But um, you know you, you always cheer for a guy like that, somebody who didn't necessarily ha- have much handed to him on a silver platter. He's not a big guy, um, and, and you know he doesn't do he doesn't seem to do anything extraordinarily well. But he, he works really hard, and you can see that in his game. And he's seen it all the way back from he was 16 and 17 years old to now um, here in the in the Eastern Conference Finals of playoffs. So. That series is, yeah. is exciting, and it looks like Tampa's really uh, they, they've really put a team together over there, and, and they're exciting to watch. But the Rangers also got some playoff experience last year, and, and have a pretty talented roster too. So we'll have to see what what they can pull out. All right. So um, enough of enough of the NHL for right now. You're you cover the WHL, you cover the um, Seattle Thunderbird, Thunderbirds, and. Um, in, in the WHL recently, there's been some labor issues, and uh, earlier this week, the governor of Washington signed a bill 
that classified um, the WHL players in this state not as employees, but as amateurs. Uh, what, are, what are the implications of that of that bill that the governor has signed? What's the impact going to be? Yeah, it's you know they, it is a big impact, and I actually had the chance along with a couple other media members up here um, a, a couple months ago during the playoffs, uh, the first round when Seattle and Portland were playing each other, to actually speak to the commissioner about some of the implications that that it might have if. Um, you know, somewhere down the line, WHL players were to be considered amateur athletes. And um, there's a there's a very real possibility that if that happened, you know, the WHL wouldn't be able to operate in the state of Washington. And, um, you know, there are four teams here, Spokane, Tri-City, Everett, and, and Seattle, and um, could have eventually gone down to Portland too. But, you know, the, the implications were huge. Um, you, you have to take into account minimum wage, and, and you have to also consider that, we're playing here uh, across multiple provinces in Canada, as well as Washington State and Oregon. So you have to consider that, you know, when you start to talk about things like implementing a minimum wage and things like that, it can be, um, it, it can make things uneven uh, across the league. And, and, you know, that's never good for making sure that, that all things are equal. Um, aside from that, uh, I think the biggest issue was, you know, not, not so much money itself or the dollar amount. Um, uh, of actually paying these guys minimum wage. I don't think that teams would necessarily have a problem paying that amount of money. I think what it would ultimately come down to is if these were considered employees, then you have to subject them to minor labor laws too. And and that's where it really comes into question. So um, when you have guys who are under 18 years old and they have limitations on the hours they can work and the times that they can work and so on and so forth, that puts into question, you know, I mean, the Thunderbirds roster this year featured a number of 16- and 17-year-olds. I mean, the, over over half the team and, and some really important guys to, to the makeup of their roster. And so if you take those guys out of the equation, Seattle's really ha- would have had a, t- a tough time competing this year. And, you know, that's kind of – those are the couple of years where guys maybe play on the lower lines and, and get their feet wet and develop and before they take on a bigger role as 18- and 19-year-olds. So if you take that ability away and that, that chance for teams to really train those guys – um, who are being drafted at 15 years old, it, it can make it really tough. So um, the, the possibility of teams having trouble operating uh, was, was very real. And uh, it, it seemed that for a while that it was going in the direction that the WHO wanted it to go. We finally got that confirmed earlier this week. Uh, so it's very exciting that, um, you know, that that's something that's off their plate for now and they can go back to focusing on hockey and and uh, these these players know exactly what they're going to be getting. So... So it's a good thing and, and could have changed the landscape of the game, I think, in, in the state of Washington. How do the players themselves feel about this? Have you had a chance to talk to any of them? Uh, it's generally something, you know, we don't talk to players too much about. Uh, it's, it's something, you know, I think that can be touchy. And, and when you're dealing with guys who are this age, um, I you know, you see, you, you see a lot or hear a lot about guys who, for the most part, you hear that players really love the situation they're in. They acknowledge they're in the – the best developmental league in the world. Uh, they get to spend, you know, over half the year with, with 20, 21, 22, whatever it is, of their closest friends. Um, and, you know, that would have been an awesome opportunity when I think back on my high school years to be able to travel with those guys and, and play hockey. Um, they still get an education. They get they get a small stipend. They get some college paid for, which is huge, one of the best scholarship pro, uh, programs you can find in the entire country. And so there are really a lot of benefits. And, you know, everybody wants mm-hmm. more money. Um, so, so you do hear sometimes about players who, uh, th- you know, maybe things didn't quite work out after their WHL career ended in hockey or in college or whatever it may be, 
And so those are kind of, I think, the, the players you heard really raising questions about um, the, 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 the compensation that they were getting. And so um, I think in general, you're, you're going to hear most players are happy with their situations. They're happy with, with what they get. And, you know, they get, they get free equipment too. And that's, that's certainly not mm-hmm. cheap. As, as a, somebody who plays in an adult league and has to buy my own, I can, I can definitely acknowledge that uh, it's, yeah. it, it would be nice to be getting all that stuff for free. So I think that the players do, do appreciate all the compensation they get. You know, it may not be a huge direct paycheck that they see, but there are a lot of ways that they, they are compensated. And when you consider that for every every year that they are actually on a WHL team, they, they get a year of college paid for. And that doesn't mean that they have to play 72 games or half the season or anything like that. You know, they could play a couple a couple games at the beginning of the year. Um, and maybe maybe they get hurt or decide that they want to retire or whatever it may be. Um, and they still get that year of education paid for. So it's a, it's a pretty flexible system and something that, um, you know, players really have the chance to take advantage of. And uh, former T-Birds goalie Danny Muma, uh, he had an interview earlier this year um, with the, the Pucklandia podcast, and he talked a little bit about that program and how he's, you know, he's 18 now, would have been 19 this coming season, but he decided to retire in the middle of the year, and he said he just lost his passion for the game. And, you know, he still gets, you know, his 16-, 17-, 18-year-old seasons uh, all, all amounted to WHL scholar or all amounted to scholarships. So he gets three years of college paid for, and he gets to stay close to home now and, and you know, have all that. And he probably, you know, played a, close to probably 30 or 40 WHL games total. So um, it can be a pretty flexible and pretty great system if, if players use it the right way, I think. Right. How's it, How is this news going to be received in Canada, do you think? Yeah, it's something that I think was being approached in Canada earlier. Um, it was already uh, the, the players being officially declared um, amateur athletes. So something that was already passed in Saskatchewan and maybe a couple other uh, provinces up there too. Um, so it's something that, you know, is, is good. And, and, again, they want to keep the playing field level because when you consider something like, you know, if players were getting paid – you know, X amount of dollars in Washington State, you know, which is more than they were getting paid, say, for a team in Alberta or Saskatchewan, um, you know, then a lot of times it's getting more appealing to go play for that team in Washington State. Um, but, you know, you want to keep all things equal and all things even. And so I think they're excited to see that, um, you know, that, that everything is going to be equal, uh, at least for now. And, and a lot of that, again, a lot of that legislation is already being passed in Canada. And so it's something that um, just, you know, ensures that things are going to continue operating as they have. That's good. That's good. Yeah, when I first heard heard about this issue, I had just started following the WHL, and I thought, really, I just started following this, and now you're going to get labor issues that could torpedo the league? Come on. So I, I'm I'm really glad to hear that it's working out. Um, another WHL issue: the uh, Memorial Cup's about to start, and uh, Kelowna Rockets, everyone's favorite, <laughs> I guess, is in that tournament. How do you think they're going to do? Uh, as going forward in in the tournament, Kelowna. Yeah, and um, Kelowna again, like you said, I think they were the favorite coming into the year. And uh, Brandon over in the Eastern Conference who made the final. They really put on a strong push. I think everybody's waiting for them to to really make their make their statement next year. But they ended up being really good this year. Um, and so, but but again, Kelowna swept them in the final there, and and so we're all where we thought we would be. Um, unfortunately, I don't get as much time to watch the OHL and QMJHL as much as I would like to. Um, but 
uh, when I look at sort of those, uh, when I look at a lot of the stats and compare and, and see how Kelowna stacks up, uh, they've uh, and a lot of times been the favorite, um, even among uh, among all CHL teams as, as the best team. And so um, it's always tough to call when you stack up. The, the leagues play very different styles. Um, I think the WHL is a more defensively oriented league. You look at a league like the QMJHL, that's where uh, Sidney Crosby came out of. Um, and they're, they're a lot more offensive. So, um, they're, they're different styles. It's always interesting to see them go up against each other. Um, and Kelowna, they have a, a deep roster and lots and lots of talent. So I think that they're going to do well. But, um, you know, it's it's always tough to say because, again, I don't get the chance uh, as much as I'd like to watch some of those other teams play. It's unfortunate that uh, Connor McDavid lost in the, in the finals over in the OHL with his Erie team. Um, but, you know, it would have been fun to get to watch him play a little bit of his junior hockey, um, but it looks like he's going to be pro next year and, and the, the first overall pick. But, uh, you know, alas, that's how it goes, and then we'll get to enjoy some great hockey anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned Connor McDavid, and, and, and who is uh, mentioned as the next Wayne Gretzky, I suppose. But in, there's another youngster coming up uh, behind him, and his name is Austin Matthews. And uh, there's some doubt as to whether or not he's actually going to play forever or whether he's going to go to college. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with him and what kind of impact will that have on the U S division if he goes to Everett? Yeah, he's uh he's exciting and he's really, um, project, projected as a number one overall pick next year in 2016. And, um, possibly the, the best, best U S player that, that maybe we'll ever We've seen to date he uh, broke Patrick Kane's record for the U.S. National Team Development Program, or, uh, and uh, he's he's just a, a total stud, a great all-around player. We got to see him play uh, earlier this year on an international stage. Um, he, it looks like right now he's actually deciding between playing in Everett and possibly playing overseas in Switzerland um, and then actually playing professionally over there. Um, so it's really going to depend. Uh, it wow. could depend um, a lot on – uh, what what his agent and what NHL teams think he should do, what's going to be best for his development. Um, you know, it, they, they've been pretty tight-lipped about it, but uh, the Silver Tips general manager did mention that they expect to have a decision by the end of this week. And uh, if he does end up coming to the WHL, that, that's a scary prospect for a lot of other teams. I'll look forward to seeing him quite a bit. Uh, he's, he's a great player. He's big for a 17-year-old, and he's, uh, he's from, you know, a place that we don't really think of uh, when when it comes to hockey down in Scottsdale, Arizona, but he's exciting. He'll he'll make a difference for that Everett team that was pretty good this year. They made it to the, the second round of the playoffs before they lost to Portland. Um, but adding a talent like that, you really it's not often that you have the opportunity to do that. And um, he could really change the face of the whole division, change the ha- face of, of the league if he does decide to come over and play in Everett. And uh, hopefully he does because I think it would be exciting to see him play and, and it would be fun to watch players like him and Matt Barzell play against each other. Um, but, you know, who knows? It's going to come down to it. He could play over in Switzerland and probably make a lot of money. So, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to fault him for that. But, but we'll see what he ends up deciding to do. Right. All right, so you you mentioned that uh, Matthews is the as projected as the number one pick in 2016, but the 2015 draft is coming up pretty soon, and uh, of course Connor McDavid is going to be is going number one to Edmonton. Uh, what about the Thunderbirds? Um, what Thunderbirds do you expect to be drafted this year, and and how high do you think they might go? Yeah, we have uh, Seattle has four guys I think that that we expect to be drafted. Um, the first one, and, and he, he really was an exciting prospect, and he decided to commit to Seattle, was Matthew Barzell. 
he's a center, mm-hmm. and this uh, it was unfortunate for him this year because he missed a couple months when he broke his kneecap. Um, so that, that kind of set him back a little bit. He came back and played really well, but unfortunately for him, it was, uh, you know, just missing that time ultimately may have, may have hurt his draft stock. Uh, you hope that, that the recovery he made um, ends up, you know, kind of kind of pushing that, that missed time over to the side. But, um, you know, we'll see. I've seen him projected anywhere from uh, just inside the top 10, maybe 8, 9, 10, all the way down to low, or, uh, early 20s. So uh, there's a pretty wide range of, of uh, thoughts on him, and we'll see. But, but he should, without a doubt, be a first-round pick. Um, and then after that, you have uh, a few 17-year-olds in Ryan Gropp, Ethan Barron, Keegan Colasar. Uh, Gropp and Colasar both wings. Gropp's a, a bigger, faster guy um, with a real, real great shot, one of the best in the draft. And I think we'll see him probably go in the maybe maybe early third, late second round I've seen him projected. Uh, Colasar probably a couple rounds after that. And what's unfortunate for Colasar too, is that toward the end of the year, he also suffered an injury, broke his arm. Uh, he was really coming along as a, as a strong power forward. And it would have been great to see him play in the playoffs in front of a lot of scouts. But unfortunately for him, he didn't have that opportunity. So uh, we'll, we'll get to see him, uh, see, see how he does at the combine, see how he does at camps and, and uh, see where he ends up in the draft. But um, I would expect him to go maybe in the middle rounds, middle to late rounds. And then, uh, the, the fourth guy that I think we all expect to get drafted is, is Ethan Bear, who's a defenseman with a, a real great shot. He's not a very big guy. He's not gonna he's not gonna really throw any big hits or anything like that. Um, I think he's about five eleven, two hundred pounds. Uh, but he's got a cannon of a shot. He he'll probably be quarterbacking Seattle's power play next year, and and he's uh, he's exciting too. Um, I think we could see him maybe go in the, the third round or so. Uh, but um, yeah, there, there's a few guys there. It's exciting for Seattle. We haven't really seen. Uh, the team have four guys picked in, in the same draft in a while, and uh, you know there, there's there's a lot to be excited for, and we should have we should have some future pros on the roster next year. Right, right. All right. So the Thunderbirds themselves this last year they had a good year, uh, and then they run into the hated Portland Winterhawks in the playoffs and and fell to them. But what went right for the for the Thunderbirds this season? Yeah, I mean. It's tough because for the Thunderbirds, it seemed like a lot really didn't go right, and they still managed to come out. Um, one thing that, you know, I mentioned Barzell's injury earlier. He missed two months. Uh, they had a first-round pick by Anaheim a couple years ago, Shea Theodore. He missed a couple months um, at the beginning of the year between uh, training camps and injury and the World Junior Championships. So they really didn't have those two guys together. They're Really, their two best offensive players together until the very end of the season. Um, and we were all looking forward to seeing how those two would would play and, and how they would really cycle on the power play. It would have been a lot of fun to watch them, but unfortunately we didn't get to see that. Um, but, uh, you know, aside from the injuries, that really gave a lot of younger guys a chance to step up. And, and you, you saw a lot of guys who were maybe 16 or 17 years old who would have been third or fourth line guys get a step up and play those first or second line minutes. And while that may not have been for, for the best this year, um, it, it, it did pay off in the playoffs as you got to see those guys play more and it'll definitely play off in the future, uh, pay off in the future. Um, and, and especially this coming year. So I think that ultimately this year, while Seattle was disappointed with, with the early playoff, uh, exit, I think that they really did think that they could beat Portland and they started off the series well and, and kept most games close. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot for the team to look forward to next year. And, and there's a lot of guys who, who, uh, really grew up quickly last year. They were forced to, um, and 
So they're losing a couple talented guys uh, this off season um, just to, to to graduation into the NHL. But um, you know, I, I think that they've got a lot of pieces in place to replace them, and and there's a lot to look forward to for for this team uh, here in the 2015-16 season. Okay, um, who's going to be the leader next year? Is it going to be Jarrett Smith or Scott Enzer? That's that's a great question, and uh, you know we uh, did talk to, a little bit to Steve Connell-Walchuk about who might be the captain. Um, so there's there's a lot of a lot of potential there. Jarrett Smith was a name that we thought would come up. Um, Jared Hoff is another 20 year old who could come up. Scott Enzer is a guy that um, coaches love just because of his you know 100 percent motor all the time. Every time he's on the ice, he's he's a, a really hardworking guy. Um, you have all the all the twenty year olds. They just went out and traded for a guy uh, from Lethbridge named Jamal Watson. He was Lethbridge's captain last year, and he'll be their third twenty year old. And so, um, you know, usually you don't see a guy come in from another team and, and be named captain, but um, you know, he he'll definitely have a leadership role. You could also uh, look at the the really talented guys like a Barzell or something. And and I think after his sixteen year old year when he came in and and he had been a hot shot for a number of years um, and. You know, he, playing for a, a coach who used to play in the NHL, I think he got brought down to earth pretty quickly. And so uh, you saw a lot of maturity, a lot of maturing in his game as a 17-year-old. So he could definitely adopt more of a leadership role next year. Um, there's a lot of guys. One one thing you never know is that um, at the beginning of the year, you may see some of those guys, those 20-year-olds, um, like Jarrett Smith or Jared Hoffman, invited to an NHL camp. And if all the pieces fall in the right place, then they could actually earn a contract. And that was somebody that, uh, Tiber's general manager, Russ Farwell, mentioned uh, Smith specifically is having uh, the potential to, to earn that pro contract. Um, he, he was getting some looks last year. So we'll see if that ends up happening for him. Um, and so, you know, you definitely can't call him the, the surefire captain yet or anything like that. Um, but uh, it, I think that they probably won't make a decision on their captain until training camp is over and, and probably in the first week or two of the season when they actually know who they're getting back. So a lot of, a lot of options. Uh, and again, a lot of guys last year who had the chance to grow up and, and become leaders very quickly and will be expected to do that next year. So uh, leadership and, and having that veteran presence shouldn't be a problem at all. Right. All right. So, um, until this year, I didn't know much at all about the WHL, and when I when I finally went to some games this year, I, I discovered what a great product it is. I mean, it's just terrific hockey to watch, and it's entertaining. And you know, I went to a preseason tournament in Everett. That was the first hockey game I'd attended in 20 years or so. And then I uh, I went to four or five uh, um, uh, Americans games this year, and I and I loved every one of them. And for people that might not have been exposed to the WHL, they might not realize how great it is, but there is a dedicated hockey following in Seattle and in Everett uh, for both the Thunderbirds and the Silvertips. Um, and yet we, we're coming up on this time where Seattle may, may possibly get an NHL team. We're all crossing our fingers and hoping. Um, I think everyone wants that. But what impact might an NHL franchise have on the Thunderbirds and the Silvertips? Yeah, I mean, as you said, it, it really is a great product. And it, it's interesting because I think that a lot of the, the people you see following Everett and following the Thunderbirds closely are pretty diehard fans. Um, and so, you know, I it, it's really tough to say. I know that the teams both say that, you know, they would, they would welcome an NHL team with open arms, but you kind of expect them to say that. Um, it's, it's definitely a question. Both of them are on 
you know, they're, they're not necessarily in Seattle proper. So um, I think most of the fans you actually see going to Thunderbirds games, going to Everett games are from their respective cities. Um, the NHL is probably going to draw some of that for sure, especially some of the walk-up crowd. But, um, yeah, you'd think and you'd hope that both teams could continue to function uh, as they have and, and would be able to – and, you know, maybe maybe it'd end up being a good thing. Maybe just having that NHL team uh, – you know, a lot of people here think that, you know, because, as you mentioned, that, that it's major junior hockey, it's not professional, that, you know, it's not worth watching. And so just like a lot of teams may – or a lot of people may not go watch the Everett Aqua Sox or may not go, go there because it's not actual professional baseball. And so – who knows? Maybe if you bring an NHL team, some people get exposed to what a great game hockey is, um, and, and then you know look for the opportunity to become bigger fans. So that's what you ultimately hope for. Um, it's, a, it's a tough call until we actually get to that point. But um, you know, I, 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 there, there's a couple couple options. But you hope that that both teams can can continue to function as they have for the past, you know, uh, forever here coming up on 15 years, and for Seattle much longer than that. Right. Um, as you look forward to next season, um, it seems like the Thunderbirds are always in it. Uh, it seems like Portland's always in it. And then uh, maybe Everett and Spokane are in it once in a while. And Tri-City has been down for a few years now. Um, how do you see the U.S. division shaping up for next year? Who do you see being on top? Uh, is Tri-City still going to be at, at the bottom? What do you think is going to go down next year? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, a uh, big question you brought up earlier is what happens with Austin Matthews, and he could uh, help put, put Everett over the top if he does indeed come to the WHL. Um, Seattle, I think a lot of people are expecting next year to be really their breakout year. Um, they had all those, they had the 2012 draft. Those guys will be 18 this coming year, so really starting to come into, I guess, you could say the, the prime of their WHL careers, and so they have a lot of those guys. Um, we're ready to make a big impact. And so I think Seattle, you expect to, to finish near the top. Um, with all their injuries and, and, and things this year, they finished third. I think that maybe they could have squeaked up to second if they had a full roster for the entire year. But, um, you know, that's such such a sport, and that could always that, – that, that's always how it goes. But um, I think if Seattle has some questions in net, they have uh, two, at this point, pretty untested goalies that um, it looks like Right now, uh, have are are, are going to be they're going to be going into training camp. Uh, still, lots of time for the team to make moves, depending on what's available out there. Um, but if they can, if they can either get good performances out of those guys or uh, acquire another goalie who's who's solid, then then they're in a real good spot and they they have a deep team. Um, back to Everett again, Austin Matthews. They got some good young players there too. They aren't losing a ton this year. Um, Portland is going to be interesting because a lot of the guys that have kept that team near the top for the past few years, um, guys like Nick Patan and and Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, they're going to be they're going to be gone this year. So Patan is really someone if you started paying attention to the, the WHL fan in the last five years, and it seems like him and, and Portland are synonymous. So it's going to be interesting to see how they recover. They could be losing even more. Uh, they just got a, a commitment from Caleb Jones, who's Seth Jones' little brother. Uh, he, he played in Portland for a year before he was drafted by the Predators. Um, and so Portland's going to have some shuffling to do. Uh, they, after they got those sanctions, uh, they, you know, they, they've had trouble kind of really building up a, a strong pipeline. And so, well, I guess we don't know if they've had trouble. We're going to have to see what, what it actually looks like when those guys uh, actually come up and, and start to play more significant minutes. They've, done a good job uh, without having a lot of first-round draft picks over the past few years. They've done a good job being able to recruit guys from 
uh, other leagues around the country. They've done really well scouting. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you, you know, you want to say that they're going to drop off, but you really can't ever count Portland out, I think, over the past few years. They have a solid staff down there um, and, and a lot of guys who know how to win, and I think that you can't ever, you can't ever count out how much that means. Uh, for Tri-City and Spokane, uh, last year they were kind of on the outside looking in. Um, I think you expect the same out of Tri-City. They're going to be losing uh, quite possibly one of the best goalies in the entire uh, CHL, which is Eric Comrie. So that'll that'll be really tough for them, as well as, uh, you know, a couple other top scorers. So Tri-City's going to have some work to do. Uh, they got a guy who's supposed to get drafted in the first round in Brandon Carlo. Um, he's a good defenseman, but really you can't expect one defenseman to, to carry a team. So it'll be interesting to see what um, what they can do, what kind of guys they have coming up. And then Spokane, uh, they have some some talent, talented young guys. They had one of the best uh, 16-year-olds in the entire league last year in um, uh, Kyler Yamamoto. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see them too and, and uh, how they can kind of fill out that roster. They have some young, talented guys, but um, you don't see them being very deep. They're losing their leading score, couple scorers too and, and Adam Luke and Jason Fram. So it'll be interesting to see um, what what they can actually do to fill those holes. I'm sorry, I think Jason Fram is actually coming back, but but uh, Haluka will will be gone. So um, it'll be they'll have some definite definite gaps to fill there as well. Right. All right. So uh, for anyone that wants to follow the Thunderbirds, uh, I, I think they need to follow you on Twitter. Uh, what what is your Twitter Twitter handle that people can follow? Yeah. So uh, my Twitter handle is uh, first initial last name. So it's T Pigolski, T P I G U L S K I, um, and and hopefully uh, right. that can be tough to tough to find, but hopefully um, you, you can find me on there. I, I love to interact with anybody on Twitter, and and I try to live tweet their games as well. So um, always welcome the following, right. always welcome the conversation. Right. Well, Tim, I want to thank you for coming on with us. Uh, I've enjoyed actually talking about hockey this time. I've I've been so focused on arena issues for the last month that I've hardly gotten to talk into yeah. hockey, and it was fun to just talk hockey. Um, but I hope you come back, and I hope you enjoyed this, and uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Paul. I appreciate it. I had a good time as well. All right. Thanks, Tim. Yep. All right. That was Tim Pogolski of 710 ESPN in, in Seattle, and he is the columnist for them that covers the Seattle Thunderbirds. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Seattle Sim Bin. I want to thank everyone for joining us. I want to thank Tim Pogolski for joining us. Um, sorry that Otto was not able to be with me this time, uh, but he'll be. we'll be back together next week after the holiday. In the meantime, uh, you guys have a great holiday weekend, and we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for joining us in the Sin Bin with Paul Rogers.